Hello, this is Joan DeMartin, and welcome to Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. The title of today's post is Condominium Deconversion, Another Way Big Corporations Are Eating into Private Home Ownership. I'm going to start with a quote from Forbes from July of 2019. Quote, a condo deconversion is a real estate transaction in which a savvy investor acquires an entire condo building through a bulk sale to turn into rentals. This investment trend has been seeing a big uptick in Florida and California for a number of years and is picking up steam in other coastal regions and even the Midwest. End quote. It is startling for someone like me who has never been a part of a for-profit business, well, except for this newsletter, uh, to see the word savvy used to describe a real estate investor who buys a condominium complex with the sole purpose to change the structure from home ownership to rental so the investor can make oodles of money. While the basic... uh, idea of investment is to earn a high return. This particular scheme can throw people out of homes they own against their will. A savvy investment indeed. A couple in Florida, the Fellmans, were startled at this investment scheme too and filed a lawsuit against the company Strategic Properties of North America, which bought their 176-unit condominium complex. They are the last holdouts to agree to the sale. Although they lost in the first round of litigation, their case is currently under appeal. This specific story is a bit different, though, because when the Fellmans bought their unit in 1992, their condo agreement required approval of 100% of the residents to make a sale, and that agreement remained on file with the county even after the investor bought it. After Strategic Properties uh, had got control of the condominium's board of directors with its purchase of 175 out of 176 units, it voted to change the threshold to 80% of unit owners required to agree to a sale. This percentage mirrored a state law enacted in Florida after the Fellmans purchased the unit that now allows for only 80% of unit owners to agree to a sale as long as the opposition is less than 5%. This is a complicated scenario, but worth trying to understand because of today's housing market and the important role condominiums play in letting younger first-time buyers access the home ownership market. Condos can be less expensive, and the fees paid each month to live a maintenance-free lifestyle appeal to owners of all ages. And in the case of the Fellmans, ownership of a condominium was part of their long-term financial plan. They are currently renting it and had planned to move back in at retirement. Here's what they said about the deconversion process. 
Quote, you can't take it. It's not yours. It's ours, Mr. Fellman said. And we don't want to, to sell. We have plans for it ourselves. We think that part of ownership is not only the right to own and use it and enjoy it, but also not to sell it if you don't want to. End quote. According to an article in Stateline, an initiative of the Pew Charitable Trusts, investors purchased, on average, one quarter of all single-family homes sold in 2021. And this number has risen to one-third or more in states like Arizona, Georgia, Texas, and Nevada. The corporate investors don't turn around and sell these properties to the individual buyers. They rent them at exorbitant rates, and at the same time, this process drastically reduces uh, the inventory of properties available for individuals to purchase. The corporate investor boom into the single-family housing market started during the Great Recession in 2008, when investors scooped up homes abandoned when owners defaulted on their payments. And the condo deconversion process is just another way for large corporate investors to intrude on the housing market, raising rents on the properties it owns and squeeze individuals in both the rental and ownership of properties. The result is that the growing trend of condominium deconversions collides with the already tight housing market to prevent a larger percentage of individual home buyers, whether they want to purchase condominiums or single-family homes, from enjoying the economic benefits of home ownership. A University of Illinois professor, practicing attorney, and an expert in housing matters, Evan McKenzie tracks the practice and calls deconversion a private form of eminent domain. Although McKenzie and others do point out the upside of deconversions, particularly with older condominium buildings, Sometimes the condominium board has not put aside enough funds for repairs and can be reluctant to ask tenants to contribute or are met with resistance from the unit owners. The needed repairs, which can involve safety issues, are backlogged to a point where the board might not have a choice but to sell the building and to let deeper pockets invest in updating it. In these cases, it can be a win for the current owners. They supposedly receive a fair market value for their condominium unit, don't have to chip in extra money for repairs, and can move on. As the world saw in the 2021 Surfside condominium collapse near Miami, Florida, where 98 people died, condominium boards have a huge responsibility to not only care for the building, but to bring unit owners on board with their money, including extra assessments as necessary to make needed repairs. To be clear, the investigation of the Surfside condo collapse is not finished. Expected date for the fall of 2024 to complete a final report, and no one has determined yet whether it was failure to maintain the building that caused the collapse. Ironically, the United States pushes home ownership as a central tenant of the American dream. 
Yet this convergence of currently legal business forces makes much more difficult for the average American to purchase the roof over their heads. I'd love to hear what you think about this issue. Do you own a condominium? Are you satisfied with how your condominium board manages the building? Have you been asked to contribute extra assessments for repairs? Let me know in the comment section below. As always, I appreciate your interest and thoughtful ideas that make our crime and punishment community a welcoming space to visit and chat. There's no time like the present to become a free or paid subscriber. And there's no time like the new year, we're closing in on the end of the first quarter, I might add, to upgrade your free subscription to paid. It's easy and will allow me to continue and expand crime and punishment. Thanks in advance for your support. And remember, Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America is a reader-supported publication. To receive new posts and support my work, consider becoming a free or paid subscriber. As always, thank you so much for reading and listening, and I'll see you next time.